Welcome to Already Enough with Kelly Backert. This program is about realizing that you are already enough and nothing outside of yourself can fix you because you aren't broken. This program will help give you the tools to let go of old ideas about life and step into a new way of living. You will hear from experts, be given helpful tools and tips, and much more. Now here's your host, Kelly Backert. Hi, everyone. I'm personal trainer and health coach Kelly Backert, and welcome to my show, Already Enough. I have a little bit of a cold today, so I'm my voice is going to sound a little bit lower than it usually does and a little bit more nasally, but I think that's okay. Um, try to hang in there when you're listening to me. Today on the show, we're going to be talking all about mindfulness, and I'm going to have my friend, meditation teacher, musician, and mental health advocate, Jordan Lally. He's going to be on here in just a few minutes, which I'm excited about. He was on my first show, and we talked all about meditation, which we'll be touching on today as well. And Jordan and I will be discussing, we've done um, a workshop together where we did like a four-week workshop where we did all mindfulness and it was, we went into relationships and work and social anxiety, which I know him and I have both struggled with in the past. And and then, of course, my specialty and where my heart lies is around food and body and all of those things and just bringing mindfulness into all of the areas of our life. So, I always like to, mindfulness is this big word. It seems like it's out there now, which is great. I love that. So I always like to, when I'm using something like that, I always kind of like to get like the definition of it. Because for mindfulness, for me, like if someone said, what's the definition of mindfulness? I would just say, for me, it's just being in the present moment. But I looked up the definition just so that we could have like a clear understanding. Like if people are like, what's mindfulness? I hear about this mindfulness all the time. Like when you go to your yoga studio or your yoga practice, be more mindful. Or when you're reading like a health magazine or something, that word's kind of out there now. So the definition when I looked it up is the process of purposely bringing one's attention to experiences occurring in the present moment without judgment which I totally love that without judgment part. I think that's so great. I wouldn't have said that if someone would have asked me the definition, so I'm glad I looked up the definition because I like that part. So one of the ways in which I know I become more mindful in my everyday life is through prayer, meditation, and my spiritual practice. These practices have just allowed me to slow down and become more connected really to myself and really to other people and my experiences around me because I'm trying to stay more present instead of like what I like to call like future tripping, like constantly being in the future or holding on too tightly to the past and like kind of pulling the past into that present moment, which all of those things are kind of difficult to do. But I feel like with some of the tools and the things that Jordan and I are going to talk about today, hopefully that will help. It'll be helpful to somebody listening, will help be helpful to you guys. So just to touch upon, I'm just going to jump right in and kind of talk about mindfulness practice when it does come to like food in your body. So with my with my coaching clients, um, one thing that I do is I may not even say to them, oh, let's let's like really dig into this mindfulness practice. I kind of just ask them to first when they're eating, I may not, like I said, I may not use the word mindfulness, but I'll ask them if possible to put away the distractions, the phone, the TV, the book. And I know when we have children, it's hard to to be completely alone like all of the time, but maybe just getting into a practice of becoming more present when you can with your, like 
just with your tea or your dessert or whatever it is and really enjoying it and tasting it and then letting go, like I said, back to kind of the definition and letting go of the judgment surrounding it. Like, for example, oh, you know, you're drinking your tea. Maybe you're just focusing on how it smells, how it tastes in your mouth, the warmth of it going down your throat instead of this idea of, oh, did I put too much sugar in my tea? Or, oh, like when you're eating a cookie, oh, this cookie has too many calories. Oh, I, I, I did that. And all of that stuff that we kind of get wrapped up into those thoughts, right? Those thoughts might come. They will come probably most likely in the beginning, but just kind of trying to sit with it and being present with like the way that it feels, the way that, why that it tastes and things like that. So I think that that's always helpful. Even if you can just do it with one meal of the day, maybe it's during um, like your lunch hour, you can step away from your desk for a little bit and go sit outside or something and kind of be present with your food. Maybe it's dinner time. Maybe it's your snack time. I always think it's just a helpful exercise to give my clients to just become more present with your food and to become in a more relaxed state. So the science behind it now is our digestive system digests our food more pop like more properly when we're in a state of relaxation. And we all understand that, right? I don't think that 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 doesn't take like a big notice for everybody to understand that when we're in that anxious state and we're running around and we're stressed out, our digestive system and our gut health is not the best. I think that's oftentimes when when issues happen around that, like your stomach aches or you feel like you're having to run to the bathroom all the time because you're in that state. But when you're in a more relaxed state, our digestive system can work better for us, which that's, that's great because that's where if you wanted to lose a little weight or if you wanted to, you know, um, get all the minerals and all the things that you need to be a healthy person, that's when it's going to happen and it's going to be at its best instead of being in that anxious, anxious state. Another thing, um, just from like a psychological perspective is how many times have we like I know that I used to do this all the time and I'm going to, I said used to like, let's be honest. Like I find myself doing this sometimes. Like I'm driving down the road, going to a client's house or doing whatever I need to do. And I'm like shoving my carrot sticks on my mouth or like shoving a power bar in my mouth. And then like an hour later, I'm like, I'm so hungry. I didn't even eat anything. I haven't eaten anything today. Like I didn't even read, I was eating so rapidly and so like, and so not present with my food, right, that I completely forgot that I even ate anything. So we get into those states too, like even if you're someone who like works and eats at your desk or something like that, which I know is a lot of us, you're sitting there eating or you're eating. And of course, people say like, well, we, what is like, we go out for social things and like, and I understand that and obviously, but I still think that you can do both. I think that you can be in like a social, you're just going to be present with that person and you're present with your food at the same time. Jordan and I are going to talk about that in a second. But um, I always kind of just try to play devil advocate because when I try to, when I discuss these things with my coaching clients, I always can hear them in the background when they kind of put up a fuss against it. But because I know that we all, a lot of us have to work from our desks and a lot of things that are like we have, even when we're home, we have the kids to take care of and we have all of these, the laundry to do and we have all of these other things. So being in the present moment and taking that time can sometimes be difficult. And I understand that. Um, I think that it's helpful to, and I'll go back to my little analogy of myself running around like a crazy person and like shoveling in the food. But oftentimes for me, when I slow down and I become in the present moment, I'll realize, hey, I'm not even hungry. 
I'm just super tired and I'm trying to just kind of get through the day or I have too much work to do and I'm trying to shovel in that power bar, drink that shake or whatever I need to do to just almost like keep myself going instead of taking the time to figure out a better schedule to get the rest that I need. Sometimes I'm just thirsty. I'm dehydrated. It's not that I want that food. And so you aren't going to be able to understand that or feel that or know that until you slow down enough and become more mindful of that, right? We aren't, we're just going to be shoveling in food and thinking that we're hungry all the time. And it might just be that our body is asking for something else. It's asking for us to slow down. It's asking for us to drink some water today. And that's the benefit of that mindful eating is just that better understanding of our body. And really, if like the cravings that we have, what do I really want today? What does my body really feel like eating today? And what, you know, what feels good to me? What sounds good to me? Um, Another really quick um, mindfulness practice that I give my clients, it's kind of like a mini meditation, which is why I love it so much, is this idea of taking three deep breaths before you take a bite. So it's just like there's three breaths and then you take a bite. It just kind of brings you into that present moment. It slows you down and then you can eat that food. And maybe it's not every single before every single bite of food. Maybe it's just like you're in a business meeting or something like that. And things are a little bit chaotic. Like people are your bosses over there talking. This, da, 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 da. And you just kind of want to bring yourself back to that present moment. So you just take those three breaths. Kind of just maybe even if it's not if there's and you just have coffee in front of you or something. Just taking those three breaths. Coming back to the present moment, being mindful of what's going on in your body, being mindful of your breath. I think those things are helpful too. Um, and I and that's been really helpful to me. And I, I know in around the holidays too, as they're coming up, I know I can get overwhelmed a little bit from my past issues with with food and body. And a lot of those things trigger me and a lot of things come up for me. And so I know that not only do I have to amp up my meditation and my and my prayer before I go into those situations with a lot of food and things like that, but I also have to just be really aware that I'm in the present moment and I do a lot of those breathing techniques just to kind of stay and um, stay present in that moment and just being mindful. But being mindful and my meditation practices, it's, it's been, now I'm t- I was specifically talking kind of about food and in my coaching clients, but it goes into all areas of our life. And it has definitely been life-changing for me. So I would like to dig into these topics a little bit more. And I want to welcome my friend, meditation teacher, musician, and mental health advocate, Jordan Lally, onto the show. Hi, Jordan. How are you? I'm doing great, Kelly. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, I love when, when you come on. I um, Some people may have listened to you the first time you were on the show, and some people may not, and some people may know who you are, some people may not. So if you just want to, like, introduce everybody to yourself and, like, just let them know who you are and what you do, and then we can kind of just jump right into all of this good stuff that we want to talk about. Okie dokie. Um, yeah, I'm a musician with uh, the band... The Big Infinite, I've been doing that, touring around the U.S. Uh, since 2007. Um, over the last five and a half years since I lost my father to clinical depression and suicide, uh, I've been an avid meditator and over the last three years a meditation teacher and a mental health advocate on behalf of the Ed Lally Foundation. So uh, advocate for mental health really through uh 
mindfulness, meditation, also through open, honest expression. I do that in a variety of capacities at schools, community events, and uh, also in conjunction with my band. So that's sort of long story yeah. short. Yeah, no, and he does all those things, and he's like super. So we're going to talk more in detail about, I want to talk more in detail about your band and um, the foundation as we kind of get on to the show here. But I would really, one of the things, I don't know, I mean, I know you were listening to me talking about the, the kind of the food and the mindfulness and stuff like that. I don't, I know that when we do our workshops together, what, I don't remember what you always, you have like a definition of mindfulness. What's your definition? Like yeah. if people ask you that. Um, well, I just always say it's about being completely immersed in the present moment. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with the addition of um, doing so in a non-judgmental way. Uh, however, I sort of, you know, to be immersed in the present moment means you're aware of your thoughts, your emotions, and your sensations. And so sometimes those thoughts that you are aware of are going to be judgmental. Um, so it's kind of tough to just by default be be totally mindful and non-judgmental, but um, if you're even aware of those judgmental thoughts, then that sort of creates a shift and allows you to be more present. But so like sort of when I define it, I leave out that non-judgmental piece um, and just really, and also when I'm teaching classes, I initially will introduce it in terms of external mindfulness, aware of your, your five senses, your sensory experience, and just sort of as a a doorway into understanding what it means to be present, you know, just to, to really experience your senses in, in the moment, um, you know, the sounds that surround you, the sensations, you know, the, the feel of your body uh, in the chair or uh, lying on the floor, whatever the case may be, those kind of things. And then those things serve as a doorway into really getting into the crux of mindfulness, which is your, your inner world of thought, emotion, and sensation. So um, really, I just say it's, it's just about being immersed in, in the present moment experience. That's pretty much mm-hmm. it. Yeah, that's what I do too. That's what I remember. I, I think in the beginning I was like, "This isn't what the definition says," but this is what I say. I just say being in the present moment. Um, we're gonna, um, which I think. So, why do you think? So, what like when you started your meditation practice, Jordan? What held? When did it become? How did meditation help you to become more mindful? Like I can explain how it became more mindful, like the mindfulness kind of just came as part of it. But talk to us a little bit about how meditation, how if, you know, how when we meditate, how that's going to transfer into all the things that we do to become more present in our life. Yeah, um, when I started meditating, I had no clue. I'd never heard of the term mindfulness. Um, I, I really didn't, you know, I'm sure maybe I had heard of it at some point in passing, but um, it was only until I started teaching that I really became aware of that uh, phrase and, and mindfulness as a practice. But uh, in looking back, my meditation practice just enabled me naturally to become more mindful. Uh, so when you sit in meditation, you know, you anchor your awareness to the present moment, to a mantra, to your breath, and naturally your mind wanders. And so anytime your mind wanders, you notice it because you're supposed to be paying attention to your breath or to your, to your mantra. And so those moments that you notice your mind wandering are, are moments of mindfulness. You become mindful of what actually is going on in your headspace, what is distracting you. Um, so I would, again, not knowing the term, I would start with becoming, be becoming more mindful in these meditations. And then as I would stack days and weeks and months of meditations, I started to notice that awareness of my thoughts and emotions just sort of bleeding into my everyday life. And so I was naturally more, more mindful. I was just more aware of, 
of these unconscious thoughts that have been sort of pulling me around like a dog on a leash. Uh, and just the act of becoming aware of them, becoming mindful of them, it starts to shift your relationship to those thoughts and how much sway, how much hold they have over you. So yeah. that was my experience with it. It was just sort of a natural extension from meditating. Um, and again, I wasn't even aware of the phrase mindfulness at the time. Um, but yeah. No, either was I. That wasn't even a word. I don't, that's a new word, yeah. <laughs> but it's but it's a good word because I feel like it opens up this. I opens up meditation and more of the present being in the present moment to other people. So I'm happy that it's it's existing, and I'm glad that we're like bringing it out into the forefront. But it's another thing with that when you I remember you you said something like it wasn't so it feels that way to me when I with my meditation practice because what would happen to me is I felt sometimes like even though I wasn't formally meditating, I felt like I was taking that practice of just going back to my breath throughout my day, like whether I was having anxiety or whether I was going into an anxious situation or whatever it was, I could almost bring my practice in with me because it was always something that was there for me. I didn't have to sit there for an hour and, you know, get on and get in my like yoga pose and like do or like my little meditation pose and do it like that. But I could just bring back in. I could just go right back into my breath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, it becomes yeah. Um, it's sort of like a like a, a muscle flex. And the more you use it in meditation, it's just it's just more accessible to you, more available to you in every moment. And then it then it's your, sort of your default. You're just always mindful. Yeah, I like that. So we're going to um, take a short break here. And then on the other side of the break, guys, I want you to stay tuned because we're going to jump right into talking about social anxiety and our relationships and how mindfulness can help in that area. So stay tuned on the other side of the break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Kelly Backer offers one-on-one life and health coaching and personal training by phone, over Skype, and in person. Visit corebootcamps.com to find out more about Kelly and these programs. No matter your age, gender, fitness level, or goals, Kelly and her team of certified trainers are here to ensure that you become the best version of you. They can even come to your home or work, and group weight loss programs and classes are also available. Find us on the web at corebootcamps.com. That's K-O-R-E bootcamps.com. If you're in Baltimore or Hartford County, Maryland, you can check out the Core Bootcamp Studio and take advantage of our fitness classes. Led by Kelly Backer and her team of fitness professionals, we offer on-site weight loss programs, challenges, and classes including spin, sculpt, strength, yoga, and the popular full bootcamp. If you're a fitness beginner or at a top level, we already have a class that fits your style. For more information, visit corebootcamps.com or call us in Maryland at 443-640-5274. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Already Enough with Kelly Backer. To reach the show today, you may call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feel free to also send an email to kellysbootcamps at gmail.com. Let's get back to Already Enough. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. This is Kelly Backert, and I have Jordan Lally on my show today. He's my meditation teacher. He's also a musician, and he is also the co-founder of the Ed Lally Foundation, which we're going to be talking about in a little bit here. We're talking about mindfulness today, and Jordan and I um, are big proponents of meditation, so we're touching upon that and how it all can kind of be wrapped together and how important it is. One of the things um, I know Jordan and I have both struggled with and we both have these these really cool stories about how our lives have been changed, not only with meditation, but with being able to become more mindful and being more present in the moment when it comes to social situations. I think a lot of people struggle with social anxieties, even just maybe in a, maybe not in like a huge form, but maybe even just like in a smaller, a smaller form too. So I think this is an important topic. Jordan, um, why don't you talk to everybody and tell everybody a little bit about your experience with kind of social settings and social anxiety and how how being in the present moment and mindfulness and meditation and all that stuff has kind of helped you. Okay, yeah. Um, social anxiety was absolutely the biggest limiting factor in my life for probably 15 years or so, really, since high school. Um, and since high school, I wanted to be a musician, I wanted to be a singer-songwriter, but... Um, not only was I afraid of just walking into a uh, room of strangers and talking to anyone, uh, I certainly was definitely afraid of standing up on stage and singing. Um, so because of that, I didn't get around to singing out loud for anyone to hear, not friends, not family, uh, not fans, not anyone until I was 27. Um, and eventually I did get a band together and started touring around the U.S., but that anxiety was, was ever-present. And so for the first six years uh, that I was touring around, I was not meditating, I was not practicing mindfulness. And so I would choose just to do everything I could to distract myself from that anxiety. So I would, um, more often than not, uh, I would take my clonazepam. I would, I would have a couple of drinks to just get through the show. Um, but I'd be standing on stage just trying to project this air of confidence as the front man of a band. But I would just be just really shaking, trembling inside, just riddled with anxiety. Um, but everything started to shift uh, after I lost my dad. I started to meditate. Um, and I took a totally uh, wildly different approach to, to those shows and to that anxiety. And so I'd sit there before my shows, before um, I'd go up on stage when, when the anxiety would typically ramp up, and I'd be mindful of the anxiety. So, you know, mindfulness is all about being present in, in, in the present moment. And so for me, that present moment was anxiety. And so I'd focus on my heart beating out of my chest. I'd focus on my body tensing up. Uh, I'd bring my awareness to that, to my breath. It was probably shallow and rapid. Um, I'd focus on those things and then I, with my sort of using that as my anchor, then I'd start to become aware of these thoughts that I'd have and I'd sit there and there was a band opening up for us. Um, my anxiety would consist of, of, of thinking, you know, that band was, was certainly better, you know, the singer was better than I am, the band was better than, than, uh, than we were or whatever variety of thoughts would dominate my headspace. I'd watch those thoughts. I'd watch the anxiety. I'd sort of demystify the experience. 
And the more that I was present with it, rather than running from it or believing it, the more that I just sat with it, the more the anxiety would dissipate in the moment. Uh, and, and over weeks, months, years, the more it just started to heal and disappear altogether. Uh, so it was just a choice to be mindful in those moments. And it's, it's not a pleasant choice initially, certainly. Um, uh, there were times when I, I would reach for that drink and would, would prefer that drink, but um, I knew that if I sat with it, uh, eventually it would, it would heal and it would uh, disappear and dissipate. Because what happens um, is basically anxiety is just this sort of closed feedback loop of thought, emotion, and sensation. So I would have that thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to fail, that band's better than us, that would trigger an emotional response, fear, um, that would trigger a physiological response, my heart beats faster, my body tenses up, which would trigger more thoughts, more emotions, and I'd just be stuck there. When I made that choice to bring my awareness to my body and not, not, not be sort of perpetuating that, that story, um, mm-hmm. I would, that, that story would no longer be feeding the anxiety. And so just by that choice to be present, uh, slowly but surely, the anxiety would, uh, would, would dissipate in the moment. And, and as I said, uh, with time, it would just heal altogether. And so that was my experience of being on stage, which is sort of, I think, for most people, an ang- anxious experience. But that was also my experience if I was just having a one-on-one conversation with somebody I didn't know or walking into a room of strangers or to a party, even of, of friends, I would always have that anxiety. And so I practiced that same sort of mindfulness in those situations as well. Just, okay, what, what, what thoughts are going through my headspace right now? What is my, what is my heart doing? Um, how do I feel in this moment? And I would just remain as present as I could, calm myself down, and slowly but surely uh, I would heal. Yeah, it would, it's um, in class, um, I go to Jordan's meditation class, and on Sunday you said something interesting too is, like you were that person, it, it resonated with me because I was this person too, is you would walk into a room, maybe like a party or a get together or whatever. And first of all, you may even have to have had something to walk into that room for me, definitely hundred percent, like a drink or something to just get me in the room. Yeah. And then I would almost like snug myself back in the back of the room until either I drank enough to feel comfortable to come out and to participate or 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 whatnot like it was it was such a difficult thing to to I mean the idea of being present and just being able to walk into a room without having anything with any kind of crutch it would have seemed it it just would have seemed absurd to me years ago it was such a like I'm thinking about it and I'm like I'm getting like I just it wasn't even it wasn't something it was debilitating for me uh, and, and more often than not, I would make the choice not to go to that social situation, just to avoid it altogether. And you're exactly right. If I was going to go to it, there was definitely going to be a crutch. And, and usually that crutch was a drink, but very often it was my wife who's, who's very social. And so I'd sort of like cling to her, let her mm-hmm. do all the talking and just count the moments, the minutes till I could get out of there. <laughs> that was my, yeah. that was the level of my anxiety. So, and that's, and that's, and that's how I think a lot of people feel because and I think, and I think even, like, let's, I mean, I'm going to even kind of bring in the issues of food too, because that's kind of what I do. And so for me, um, because I had all these issues surrounding my food, that felt overwhelming to me too. So it wasn't just the people, it was what food's going to be there. Because I had to feel like I was in, 
I, it made me feel out of control. Is there going to be a lot of food there? Um, what kind of food is going to be there? And I like, it was, it was so, and here I am, I'm anxious. Not only, not only do I have anxiety about the people that are going to be there, but now I'm anxious about the food that's going to be there. And I mean, I'm just like spinning out of control. Uh-huh. Right. So you're like, I would do, I like you would, I I was very isolated. Like there was a period in my time of my life in like my early twenties. I don't think, I mean, I think I started to lose friends because I, well, I know I did. I know I, they, I think they were just kind of like, okay, like we're not going to ask you to go out with us all the, like, you know what I mean? We can't be turned down 20 times because, and every time I would make up a different excuse, which is just, which is like a terrible way to live because then you feel then you're feeling all this guilt and this sadness about because you're isolated. So then it's, you're like you said, mm-hmm. it's that loop. It's that loop. So it doesn't – so there had to be a different way. And me, it was my spiritual practice, meditating and praying. And then now I t- there's, a, there's a different way of going into those rooms and being present. Um, talk to us a little bit about – Maybe the maybe like if you were talking to somebody like right now and they were having tr- problems going into a social setting. I mean, what's your first piece of advice to them? Like, where should they start? Um, well, you know, the first thing I'd probably do is relay a bit of my story and also just just the the science of it. You know, it's you know a lot of people think of mindfulness. I'm going to be present, and it's sort of like this. Uh, just, it's, it's a nice thought, but really, you yes. know, what's it going to do? And so I might touch on the science, like literally it will change your brain, the filter through which you experience life. Your, your anxiety will disappear and dissipate with time. But I would start them, um, just, just with a focus on their breath. You know what I mean? Um, a particular breathing technique that I love to share in my classes is called Shitali breathing or relaxation breath. You're inhaling through the nose and you're exhaling slow and steady. Uh, through pursed lips, so kind of like you're blowing out through a straw. When you purse your lips, you extend your exhalation. Anytime you extend your exhalation, you induce your parasympathetic response, your relaxation response. So you inhale through your nose, you exhale slow and steady through your mouth. And when you do that, your parasympathetic response, you're telling your nervous system to relax, to calm down. And so that's something, that's a breathing technique you can do in the middle of a crowded room and nobody knows you're doing it. And so, mm-hmm. and you're focusing on that breathing technique. So you're not uh, participating as much in the story you're telling yourself about your anxiety. And so that's probably where I'd start. And I also say, you know, give yourself small doses. You know what I mean? Like walk into the room, face it for 10 minutes and then step out and, and, and give yourself a breather and come back in and, and see if you can make it a half hour. You know, you've you got to give mm-hmm. yourself baby steps. Um, give you, you, give you, you know, because the entire journey of mindfulness should also go hand in hand with one of self-love. So you don't have to thrust yourself. You don't have to force yourself into into some painful situation. You just inch well, yourself yeah. forward. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, yeah. you know, Jordan, probably someone's listening and they're going to go out and they're going to meditate for 30 days and then they're going to go, they're going to put themselves in this totally like <laughs> this situation of like, you know, with people that... <sighs> cause them a lot of anxiety and they're going to jump right in and say, see, it doesn't work or something like that. It's not really how it is. And it's, and it's, and it's in and out. Right. But one thing that you touched upon a few minutes ago was this idea of, and you talk a lot about this and I talk a lot about this, especially when it comes to food and body, but I talk, you talk about this a lot when it comes to just being, um, even when, when you were talking about going on stage is this idea of, so you're, you're sitting there like before you go on stage and you're, you're coming back to your breath. And it's those stories. And you said something, and I liked what you said. You said, and 
the believing in the stories. So we all have these stories, right? Right, that we carry around with us. And most of them are like 85% bullshit, by the way. That band's better than me. And that person across the room is judging me. And blah, 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 blah. Like we have this whole story. We have no clue if it's true. Like we're just like making it up and it's just mm-hmm. going, going, going. But we like, we take it as the truth and we're believing in this story and we've concocted in our mind. And then we're, and then there, there here comes the anxiety, right, about it. And so what mm-hmm. you said was it's you're on this loop. And then, so it's not that the thoughts don't come. Like, it's not that, like, I think it's it's easier for me now because I feel like I'm, I, I feel like I'm in a different place now. But it's sometimes there's situations where I will feel, um, I will feel like that anxiety is coming and it, I'm, I'm going into a situation that's really uncomfortable to me, whether it be a meeting or something like that. And when, so those thoughts do come, these, these thoughts of like, again, probably are not even true, but that person doesn't like me or that, or like whatever the story is, like you were saying, like that band's better than us and and on and on and on. But it's now it doesn't, I'm so I'm in the present moment. So I'm aware of those thoughts. So I almost don't have to react from that place of those thoughts because I'm, because in that awareness, it's, I'm seeing the thoughts. I'm allowing them to come. I mean, they're coming. It's not even like I'm allowing them. They're coming. And the anxiety is there. It's not like, but it's, I'm also like not, I'm realizing that that's just a thought. I don't have to buy into it. I don't have to believe in it. And that's, and then I can step, it's easier for me to step forward. I don't know what your thoughts are about it. It's, it's not, I mean, the thoughts, you know, with an extended meditation and mindfulness practice, you know, weeks, months, years, the thoughts do start to disappear and dissipate Mm -hmm. with time. Your headspace mm-hmm. becomes more pleasant, but that's not really initially what it's about at all. Uh, it's about your relationship to those thoughts and the emotional charge that exists between you and that thought. And that emotional charge becomes strengthened every time you make the choice to not experience it. I want to run from it. I don't want to feel it. I don't want to think it. But when, when you sort of allow this, you wrap yourself at the moment in acceptance. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be present with this thought. You just take a little bit of that fuel away from, from, that, um, from that thought, a little bit of the, the control that it has over you. And again, this is science. One of the most researched uh, things about mindfulness is, is the emotional reactivity becomes less and less and less the more you meditate. And so you just thought about the thoughts not being there. It's about you start to disbelieve those thoughts or, or, or even you just start to see the infinite other possibilities that exist in addition to that single thought that you have. Um, that, yeah, maybe that band is better or maybe there's, Maybe there's just as good as you, or maybe it's possible for people to like more than one band. Huh, that would be a novel concept. So all these <laughs> things are, I, I mean, it's just infinite possibilities. And so we just start to detach uh, in a very healthy way from that incessant stream of thought. It doesn't have to disappear, but our relationship to those thoughts disappears. And as, as there's less and less of an emotional charge, um, they don't hold the same sway over us. They're not as compelling. In the same way, you know, you have a thought about, what you're going to do in 10 minutes from now, whatever. It doesn't really have this emotional, maybe it does, if it's something really exciting, but for the most part, it doesn't really have this emotional sway over you. Um, you that mm-hmm. thought can pop in your head, it can disappear and that's it. But if it, if it was, you know, if someone loves you or not, or, or if you're going to be a failure or not, or if your band is good or not, or if you you're, have body image issues or whatever, does this carry this emotion with them? And um, when you sit there and you're present in the present moment, incrementally, slowly, but surely you start to sort of 
uh, heal that emotional charge. And, and I like to say it's about honoring the emotion, but not indulging in the story. So you're focusing mm-hmm. on your breath. You allow the emotion to come up. It's going to be there. Uh, but every time you make a choice to feel it, you start to heal it slowly but surely. Yes. I love that because it's about, I think sometimes as people get into whatever it is, a meditation practice or just even if people are going to a therapist or you're trying to deal with certain things. I mean, we all have stuff, right? So I think sometimes people think that it's this, first of all, they think, I think they think there's an end. And what I mean by this is I am in complete agreement with you when I say that through my meditation and spiritual practice, the thoughts are few and far between now and, and things are a lot easier. Um, but it, it's not entirely. And and I, and I struggle too. And, and there'll be thoughts. I mean, I've said this before, like, you know, I mean, I always talk about diets and stuff like that because that's what I do, but I don't believe in diet plans. And all of a sudden one will like run across like on my Facebook thing or something, something will come across and I'll even I'll have the thought, mm, maybe I should try that. Or <laughs> like I have this weird thought. So in, and then it's so funny cause I'm in the awareness. So I can laugh at it, right? Like I laugh at the thought now where before not only would I have saw that, I would have believed I needed to do it. I would have believed that that's the thing that's going to like make me happy and I have to do it. And and then I would have had this whole anger, like, what are you going to do? You got to do something. You're, you're a terrible human being or whatever that thought was in my mouth. And I would have not only believed the story, but I would have took action on it. I would have brought, brought into mm-hmm. action on this story that was repetitive. And now the thought, it's not that the thought doesn't come, the thought still comes but it's different for me now. You're like you said, there's no energy charge behind it. It's just a thought. And I'm like, yeah. oh, that's an yeah. interesting thought. <laughs> and then I start laughing at myself. Yeah. I'm like, that was weird. Just less and less compelling. The more the more you make the choice to be present with the thought, uh, and then you see that again, like as you said, sort of the behaviors that surround it, the, the, the stories that surround it, uh, it just becomes less and less compelling, the more mindful you allow yourself to be, which seems counterintuitive. You want to run from it. You want to distract yourself from it. You don't want to experience it, but, but sort of turning towards the darkness uh, makes it far less daunting. Yeah. Well, going through the light or like going through the darkness to get to the light or whatever. I, I just, I love mm-hmm. that. But um, we're going to have to go to another commercial break. I hope everybody stays tuned. We're going to be talking a lot more about mindfulness. I want to, we're going to be talking about some family stuff, which is always interesting and maybe some work stuff. So just be, um, stay tuned and we'll be chatting on the other side of the break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Kelly Backer offers one-on-one life and health coaching and personal training by phone, over Skype, and in person. Visit corebootcamps.com to find out more about Kelly and these programs. No matter your age, gender, fitness level, or goals, Kelly and her team of certified trainers are here to ensure that you become the best version of you. They can even come to your home or work, and group weight loss programs and classes are also available. Find us on the web at corebootcamps.com. That's K-O-R-E bootcamps.com. 
If you're in Baltimore or Hartford County, Maryland, you can check out the Core Boot Camp Studio and take advantage of our fitness classes. Led by Kelly Backer and her team of fitness professionals, we offer on-site weight loss programs, challenges, and classes, including spin, sculpt, strength, yoga, and the popular full boot camp. If you're a fitness beginner or at a top level, we already have a class that fits your style. For more information, visit corebootcamps.com or call us in Maryland at 443-640-5274. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Already Enough with Kelly Backer. To reach the show today, you may call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. Feel free to also send an email to Kelly's Bootcamps at gmail.com. Let's get back to Already Enough. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the show. This is Kelly Backert. I have Jordan Lally on my show today. We're talking about mindfulness and and different and how it helps us. Um, meditation and mindfulness help us in every aspect of our life. And I think I said before that Jordan and I have done workshops on this together quite a few times now and we did a four-part series one time and we talked about each week we would kind of talk about a different topic and one of the big ones and I'm going to kind of intertwine everything here was was not only relationships and not even just relationships like maybe when we think about relationships some people like on just go right to like their spouse or something but difficult relationships maybe even with like your boss at work or um, a parent or um, a sibling or something like that. Sometimes I think that those areas um, are a big struggle. And sometimes I think like the anxiety and all the stuff that that comes about with that, it can be really difficult. Um, Jordan, I don't know if um, I know that you have some, you had some difficulty in your own life. Sometimes like when the passing of your father, like that was a big transition in your family and it changed a lot of things with your relationship with your mom. Yeah. I mean, um, after my dad passed, um, my, uh, my wife and I rented out our, our, our condo. Uh, we moved in with our daughter into the house with my mom. And so, um, my mom was in the midst of her grief. We were dealing with our grief, We sort of put our whole dynamic, uh, into one uh, closed environment. And so there was a lot of opportunities to practice mindfulness, you know. Um, just as anybody who's, who's an adult moving back in with their parents, regardless of the circumstances, there's stuff that um, exists from childhood that you need to, or you have the opportunity to become uh, aware of, to become mindful of. And so some people might, uh, that sort of living situation might create resentment. Um, but for me, it, it sort of was a perfect, um, it was a perfect um, sort of teacher. It was a perfect opportunity to practice mindfulness and to, and to become aware of the thoughts that in particular I had um, in relationship to my mom um, that uh, as, it, as it pertained to me, as it pertained to my daughter, 
Um, and so I look at mindfulness, you know, a lot of people think of, of whether it's their parents or their boss or um, uh, somebody that's annoying to them, or frustrating to them, whatever the case may be, difficult, challenging people in their life. And, and they tend to sort of immediately go to a narrative about judgment, about how that person's wrong or what they should be doing. And what I believe and what I've, what I've learned through mindfulness is, is nine times out of ten, it's about you and about the thoughts and the baggage that you bring into the situation. And those people that are uh, stressors to you, um, they can serve as teachers because they can help you to reveal um, thought patterns, emotional reactions that exist in you that are sort of, um, uh, they can help uh, uh, unearth the, these various emotional charges and give you this opportunity to heal. So for me, um, that situation among a variety of others has served as a wonderful opportunity. My mom and I have always been close, but um, uh, having moved in here, um, both of us actively practicing mindfulness, our relationship is uh, its just amazing nowadays. But because we've had open, honest conversations, we've, we've also both um, taking the time to, to become more mindful, to look at our own inner world and the stuff we have going on. Um, so I, I think that sort of speaks to maybe what you were. Uh, yeah, I think that's no, it's perfect. Yeah. So, what would you say to a situation where, and I know what I would say, but I'm going to ask you what you would say, and then I'll kind of say what I what I think. What would you say in a situation where? Now you're experiencing more mindfulness and you're in this awareness, but the other person, let's say it's your boss or even a parent or a friend or something like that, they're not practicing that. And what, I mean, that's, it, go ahead. No, that's, that's, a, that's a, I get that sort of question very often. It, it, and yeah. People never like my answer, but it's always pointing to something in you. It, it, if you, you know, that, 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 and I, I refer to, and I, and I should probably I refer to this, I'm also should probably get the, the name and the situation right, but there was some monk, some, I think, Buddhist monk who in protest, I believe it was the Vietnam War, um, lit himself on fire and literally sat there in meditation and burned to death. Uh, so this is obviously the most extreme example, but um, you should be able to be at peace in the midst of a battlefield. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it doesn't, you know, not you should, I shouldn't say that, but but that is, that is possible. That is what you can get to. And so if there's anyone, any sort of stressor in your life, it is an opportunity for you to heal. And if you can sort of shift your perspective and look at it like that and say, this person, this boss, this friend, whatever the case may be, they frustrate me. Well, you start to look, what are the thoughts? What are the emotions that surround that? Why do they frustrate you? Not to intellectualize it, but just start to see them. What is it about that person? Not about them, but what is it that it's triggering in you. Uh, and the more you see that, the more you'll heal. And now certainly, um, and through that process of healing, you might need to completely sever that relationship with time, but you'll be able to do so from a place of clarity rather than uh, an, an emotionally reactive place. Um, and so you'll have a peace about that decision because you have taken the time to become mindful, to see what that person uh, unearths in you, the thoughts, the emotions, and you'll be able to heal. Now, nobody loves that answer because they, <laughs> I don't know what oh the meditation teacher. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, they hate it. So I remember being in your class when you brought this up and I, and like, so you, <laughs> this was great. You had everybody, like they, you're just supposed to raise your hand. You said, you said, so do you think that it's about what's happening to you? Like you said, do you think it's about what, like 
if you walk into a room and it's like chaotic, do you think it's about what's happening in that room or is it about like you? And I don't even know. I can't remember the exact question you had, but like nobody wanted to like, nobody wanted to do this. Like everyone was looking at you like, no, that is not true. It is about that other person. It is about the chaos going in the room and that is what is causing my stress. And that, you know what I mean? It's this outside (laughs) stuff. So it's so funny because there's a saying, there's a saying in, um, I don't know if it's alcoholic, it's anonymous or if it's in Al-Anon. But it's one of them. And I don't know how deeply I believe in this, but it's similar to what you're saying. It's this idea of you spot it, you got it. Now, I don't know necessarily if I'm, well, I'm kind of on that page. So here's an example. When I started this process, I remember um, having to be very aware in situations with people that I struggled a lot with. And I remember one person in particular, she was a boss of mine. And I remember thinking, she is so judging. She's judgmental she judges everybody she just does all like and I had this like uh, uh, about it and I remember thinking well you're judging her like I just had this moment of like you're judging her mm-hmm. and then it was like mm-hmm. oh gosh I am judging her like I'm judging her for being judging and and not only was I judging her for being judging but I was judging her for a lot of things and then being angry at her like it was very interesting so it was it where there was a lesson in it for me and then I did all kinds of like, I did some meditation surrounding her and I did some other things and it became easier and easier for me to be around her because I, I, I saw her differently. Things, she, she did not change, Jordan. She was the same like person that she was, right? So she did not change, but mm-hmm. I was shifting so everything changed and it didn't matter. I would go into meetings with her and I remember thinking, this is a miracle. This is a miracle. Like I... I'm having this great relationship with this woman who I could barely stand to be in the room with for 10 seconds. And she didn't change one bit. It was me that shifted. It was me that changed. It was me that became more aware. And I almost got to a point where I felt empathy for her. I I could see different. I could see things differently. Like I thought, boy, her job is really hard. I bet she is stressed a lot because this person's coming down and this person's doing this to her. And I, I, it was so interesting. I could have never seen that in the mindset that I was going at her with. Like she's doing this to me. She's judging me. This is look at this whole this whole building is chaotic. It's it's chaos in here. And if I would have kept walking in to the rooms, it would have stayed that way. And it would have stressed me off, stressed me out, caused me anxiety. I mean, I would have quit my job, right? And I would, and then I would have just found the same situation. I mean, I, it wasn't about what was happening. It was about me in, in it. And that's kind of mm-hmm. what you're saying, right? That was kind of the similar to what you were saying. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And what, yeah, that, and what I said to the class that you're referring to, is I said, uh, is there no, uh, who believes me when I tell you that there's no external stress? In your Ooh, life. Yeah, that Nobody was it. agreed with me at all. <laughs> I but listen to what I did. I raised my hand and then I like looked around the room like, are they going to kill me? <laughs> like I was like, oh my God, they're going to kill Jordan and then they're going to come over here and kill me because like everybody wants to believe in that. It's so, I mean, I can, I can almost feel people like we're on the radio and I can almost feel feel my clients getting like uh, red faced uh, right now just listening to us like uh, what do you it. mean it's not about the external like the external circumstances what about this what about that it's hard to explain it, but it is it's a it's a shift inside you, yourself so that you can almost you can walk the planet and you can actually be you can actually go and be in different all kinds of different situations and stuff and no matter what is happening externally you can stay not that things don't rise up in you. So I well, guess it's we, not, 
it's not Go a, ahead. It's not about being a doormat either. You know what I mean? Sometimes no. life requires a show of strength. You got to stand up for yourself. That's not what it's about. But it's but you can you can have a show of strength without the sort of violent emotional anger or whatever the case may be. You can be at peace and and be strong at the same time. And and I certainly understand where people might be listening to this getting red faced, like what? That's that's BS. But um, I mean, I have plenty of examples. There was a there was a a music manager from New York who basically robbed my bandmates and I of $30,000. Um, there was a million times when I had a, a variety of stories about this guy uh, where it caused me a great deal of stress, but the more mindful I became of it, the more present I became, it really started, I really started to see the story that that situation was uh, unearthing in me about how I wasn't worthy or about how it wasn't going to work out for me. Or, you know, I mean, it, there's, there's a flip side to every coin. And that was a situation that was uh, totally painful and totally stressful. But ultimately, it was a situation that has allowed me to heal and grow exponentially. Uh, and so I could have kept that story alive and still be telling it to you today from a different uh, perspective about how it's not fair, about how this guy's an a-hole, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Or I could tell you about, yeah, things didn't go my way. I didn't appreciate it. Um, but I've come to peace with it. And it's helped me to uh, become a better person and to see a lot of this unconscious unworthiness that existed in me. Um, and that, that's all I'm saying. It's not, it's not that. Oh, it's a learning tool. It's all learning. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, it's all learning. Absolutely. What did, what did I learn from this? What do I get to, I get to choose differently next time because I know more, I have more information now. Isn't that great that I get to choose? You wouldn't choose that to be in a relationship with that type of person or that manager again, because you're different now, but you're, you, you've learned a lot. You learned and you've grown a lot and you're not the same person. So we only have a couple of minutes, Jordan, um, to kind of end the show today, but I didn't give you much of a chance last time, but tell, um, tell everybody that's listening a little bit about your band and how they can like, hear you guys and um, about the foundation before we kind of close out the show. Um, okay. The band is called the big infinite. So you can check us out the big infinite.com. Um, sort of a uh, rock singer, songwriter, original music, um, very much tied to the foundation and our mental health awareness work. Uh, in fact, we used to primarily tour clubs and, and uh, the typical band thing, but now, uh, more often than not, we're doing mental health awareness events or in conjunction with the Ed Lally Foundation, we're doing uh, mental health awareness assemblies at schools, middle schools, and high schools. And, and so people can get a hold of you if they want you for something at their event, right? Like they could they could oh, bring you in absolutely. to do the music meditation and they can find you there. Absolutely, yeah. You can, okay. you can get everything from, uh, in fact, if you just go to jordanlally.com, uh, that'll take you to the band, to the Ed Lally Foundation, and... Um, yeah, you can get the information from there. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think um, I think we talked a lot, a lot of good things today, Jordan. I'm so thankful that for you, just for being you and for the message that you're out there spreading. And I'm just, I'm thankful that we get this opportunity to kind of just talk about it on the show. And hopefully people will listen to this show and may just get information about um just to have a little bit of seeds planted, right? And just to knowing a little bit more about being mindful and then have meditation and how it can, it can really change. Well, it does change your life. It just, it can't not, yeah. right? <laughs> so, um, absolutely. And, yeah, and uh, just, just one last thing, the understanding that it's not a quick fix, but a real lasting answer. Um, but yeah, Kelly, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the time and thank you for being here. 
Yo, thank you. And yeah, and knowing that it's a process, but everything is life's a process. It's up and down and that's okay. Thanks everybody for listening. Um, Next week, we're going to have Molly are on the show and she's going to be talking about intuitive eating which is totally close to my heart and I'm so excited about it so I hope you guys have a great Friday and we will see everybody tuning in and we'll be seeing you hopefully you'll be tuning in next Friday see you guys soon thank you for listening to already enough You can join Kelly Backard again for another edition next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. Until we speak again, what can you let go of this week to realize you are already enough?